Well, welcome back. <laughs> Episode 31, season two. 31? I know, right? Isn't that crazy? We've been doing this for a little over 31 weeks now. Wow, wow. I know, we still have a lot to go. <laughs> I know, right? We Thanks for sticking wait. with us. Yeah. Well, first of all, like I said, episode 31, as you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, we are together right now here in Charlotte. Dad came over for the night to see me as I'm getting ready to head off to Daytona and start the 2021 NASCAR season. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing this with you in person. Yeah, and uh, World Series of Asphalt Racing, NASCAR Racing, the RKE right. Series, you're going to be all over New Smyrna Speedway plus the big track down there. What's the big track? They told an international. That, that, yeah, I think that was and, a France track. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so <laughs> you're going to be down there doing that. So that's great. Excited for you, Jesse. Thanks. And uh, we're right here. And uh, if you look out the window that way, I'm seeing the big NASCAR Hall of Fame sign. So, boy, how good is it to wake up and see the NASCAR Hall of Fame sign across the street? If you're a NASCAR fan, you'll love that. So come visit anyway. So it's good to be with you and and, and uh, do the rolling with the punches. Yeah, absolutely. It's always more fun when we can do it uh, sitting together and kind of feed right. off of each other. But before we get into this week's um, stories and theme, I want to give a huge shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you so, so much for all of the feedback on the Alan Kowicki My Way series. First of all, Huge thank you again to Tom Roberts oh, for, yeah. for doing that interview and opening up. I, I cherish that so much. But the amount of, of texts, the amount of comments, and oh, look, even, even uh, Siri is trying to text Tom Roberts right now while I'm talking about it. That's so funny. <laughs> sorry about that. Siri wants to be on the podcast. Sorry, TR. Yeah, sorry, TR. You probably just got a, a nice little text from my, from my Apple Watch. But no, we really just can't thank you enough for all the kind feedback. It means the world to us. So we appreciate it. Yeah, and, and it's great that you folks enjoyed remembering Alan Kowicki and the story about who he was. And we've heard, I've heard from some of the drivers back then and some young drivers uh, who said, wow, what a great story. And I think it even reminded some of you people, remember, I don't know if you saw, but Corey LaJoy. Uh, That's right. Corey LaJoy put out a picture uh, with their car, Spire Motorsports car. It's the same shop that Alan Kowicki used. And they roll the car down the hill in the exact same spot, mm -hmm. uh, the number seven, and uh, as sort of as a tribute. How cool! Put it his suit on, yeah. suit jacket on. That yeah. photo gave me chills. Yeah. Oh, oh my so gosh! Neat. It just uh, that's just. And I told I told Corey, I said, you know, maybe that's an omen for for uh, for a, for a young driver to go have uh, something great happen for you. Maybe that'd be good for you. And that was I thought that was so nicely done by and so and so co classy done by by Spire and by Corey. Absolutely. I really do think that was one of the neatest things about hearing your responses was hearing everybody else talk about um, what it meant to them and their memories of watching Cool Wiki and, and remember how much they were so fond of him. So um, all right, one more thing before we get into it. I guess two more things. This one's minor. Guys, we have stickers. <laughs> I got dad's like, I don't know why, but we do. Um, um, we have stickers. Uh, I've had a, to dad surprise, a decent number of messages on Instagram of really? people would love to get a rolling with the punches sticker. So if you guys are interested in getting one and, and sharing the love and repping your favorite podcast, reach out to us on Twitter, shoot me a message, send me your address, and I will shoot you one in the mail with a nice little card. So yeah, that'd be great. Speaking of reaching out to us, Dad, we had a comment on Twitter this week. David Smith said, hey, I need you to help me settle a debate for him. I don't know who he's debating with, but we're here to help you, David. Don't worry. He was wondering, who called Joey Logano sliced bread? Who initially like, termed the sliced bread uh, nickname? And he said, Mark Martin or Randy LaJoy? Well, 
We we always my always thought it was Randy LaJoy. In fact, when uh, when 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 Joey Logano first came in and was just before he could even run the full NASCAR series, you know, I was calling races. We were at Dover, and he uh, made an appearance, um, and um, and we we told a story about Randy LaJoy, uh, Connecticut driver, that said this kid's uh, you know you know is is as good as sliced bread or whatever, uh, and 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 just it's just a natural it just stuck. And because, and we had no idea at the time that what well, Joy was saying, but obviously Randy LaJoy, who's a two-time NASCAR champion and an accomplished race car driver and, and now businessman, uh, he knew what he was looking at when he saw Joey Logano. And now we all know that he was right and how talented Joey Logano is. So, you know, uh, I don't doubt Mark Martin or a lot of us used it early on, but my understanding is that Randy LaJoy was the one that first came up with uh, sliced bread. I actually had heard that too. And I bet if you ask Randy, he'll tell you he was, yeah. he was the first one as yeah. well. Um, but no, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were able to touch on that. I hope that that helps you settle your debate, David. Thank you for reaching out and asking that question. All right, Dad. So let's hop into the, the topic of this week's podcast. We hit my way, Alan Kowicki's story last week, and you and I kind of chatted about where we wanted to go from here and continuing to honor legends of the sport. And this week on Twitter, I saw so many people giving their memories and fond love for Barney Hall because this week was the fifth year anniversary of losing Barney Hall. And I thought, you know, what, what better way to honor him in this fifth year than to do this podcast about the voice of MRN and the voice of NASCAR, the life and legacy of Barney Hall. So dad, to kick things off, I mean, you have so many stories about Barney from knowing him, but who who really was Barney Hall? Well, I mean, we all knew. We all grew up around Barney. If you listen to the radio, Barney was the voice of NASCAR. Um, and, in, and in my mind, and for many fans, will always be the voice of NASCAR. Nothing against anyone who's currently doing MRN or any other telecast or, or, or television. And, um, you know, like Bob Jenkins, in my mind, will always be the television voice of NASCAR because that's who I worked with all those years. But Barney, Barney, uh, uh, you mentioned he passed away in January of 2016. So it's hard to believe it's been five years, but here's the best part. I love the fact that on, on almost any MRN telecast or highlight, you can you get to hear Barney's voice again, his voice and his legacy lives forever. You know, Barney uh, was born in Elkin, North Carolina. Elkin is a small town between Winston-Salem and North Wilkesburg, where the speedway was. It's up a little road called 421. And Barney uh, used to work as a, as a radio disc jockey in the 1950s. He spent 13 years as a DJ. Most of the best, many of the best announcers uh, in NASCAR and sports started out as disc jockeys. Our Bob Jenkins was, a, was an oldies station disc jockey. In fact, we used to play oldies trivia on the way to the airport. So I love oldies uh, rock and roll. And uh, we would play trivia on the way to and from the airports because Bob was unbeatable. I mean, he was incredible. But anyway, Barney was a disc jockey, uh, WIFM FM radio uh, for 13 years. And then, um, and then, you know, in 1960, he did, uh, he did the very first, his very first uh, uh, radio broadcast from Daytona, before he, even before there was MRN, uh, he was a turn announcer, but he was also, uh, became the very first ever PA announcer at Bristol Motor Speedway. And Jesse, you heard him tell a story about how becoming that PA announcer was just purely dumb luck. <laughs> exactly. That's honestly one of my favorite stories because you and I talk all the time about 
getting opportunities and always being prepared and just putting yourself out there for them. And, and Barney told this particular story when they brought him into the booth um, for his last Daytona broadcast, uh, they brought him into the Fox booth and he talked about, he was at the bowling alley and he overheard some people talking about needing someone to come do the PA system at Bristol. And he kind of inserted himself into the discussion and they said, do you, do you know anyone? And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm your guy. And he even <laughs> said, he said, um, it was a little bit of a lie I, when they asked if I had experience, but hey, clearly yeah. it, it worked out in his favor. And I just love that, that in Barney's terms, it was all dumb luck how it all started out. Yeah. And, and man, how, how, how much did we benefit? How much did NASCAR and the sport benefit by putting Barney on the public address announcement, announcing scene and putting him uh, to do a turn announcing at Daytona in 1960? You know, he would... When the MRM, when the Motor Racing Network started in 1970, he was on the ground floor. He was an turn announcer initially, but also ended up working his way into the booth. The legendary Ken Squire was a play-by-play -play voice, and Barney was in uh, one of the corners, and just uh, to call call the races. And and just you know, Barney Barney was just so special in in his delivery, his his smooth. He was comfortable tone and delivery. It's just one of those things. It's like hearing today people say, well. It made me think about Jim Nance, at, uh, who does uh, the Masters for CBS, or Brad Nessler, who does, you know, college football and basketball for CBS. Just a smooth, comfortable, you know, like we're all sitting in a room talking about something. Barney had that, had that welcoming kind of delivery. And, you know, he always had a way to choose the right words. Barney was smart. He chose the right words. He had the right poker hand at night. He played poker. Um, he knew the right restaurants. Uh, if you ever wanted any tips on broadcasting, uh, poker, or where to eat, you go to Barney. And Barney would say, go down to this little place, go past all the big signs, and go to this little place down at down at, um, at Ponce Inlet in Daytona. And you walk in this little seafood place and tell them you want, order the grouper cheeks. Or order the, and, what? It's not only mean you just tell them you want the grouper cheeks and be the best you've ever had. And he's right. And um, But he was also probably one of the most, one of the most <laughs> witty, creative, practical jokers you'd ever want to be around. He did it on the air, but no one at home listening knew he was doing it. Uh, and he played jokes on people. He'd give people, you know, uh, restaurant tips. For example, he'd say, you know, make sure you go in there, you know, and, and uh, if somebody wanted to play a trick, he said, go in there and order, order the, uh, the, uh, the, the finish line steak. You know, you've heard of the flank steak. This is the finish line steak. And said, it's got to be the right, because in order to be a finish line steak, it's got to be round. It's got to have a little hole in it. It's the finish line steak. People will say, okay. And they order. Well, they don't realize he's just pulling their leg. And then people come back next day. He didn't have finish. Oh, you didn't have a finish line steak? What is it? They say, Barney, what's a finish line steak? He said, well, when a cow jumps over a fence, you know, that's the last part that goes over the finish line. That's why it was, so, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I mean, Barney, Barney would play jokes on people. Um, and, uh, but he was, uh, uh, he was so special. Um, and gosh, we, I, I love telling Barney Hall stories. I also love hearing a little bit more about his personality because so many people know him for, for essentially narrating their memories of NASCAR and right. narrating their, their love and learning of the sport. And to hear that for someone who is so composed and can, can tell such a beautiful story and paint such an intricate picture, had such a wonderful personality as well. And I think that's really important for people to know about him. People ask, you know, because Barney, basically, anybody that's been, been successful or has some success in, in the sport as an announcer, radio or television, can go back and point to Barney Hall as the person that really gave them the best advice. You ask Mike Joy, uh, Eli Gold, 
people, Dave Spain, even people like Ned Jarrett or legends in themselves would tell you that Barney was always there. And, he, and he, 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 I remember I asked Barney when I first started doing some MRN shows, I said, Barney, what's the key to being able to do? He's, you know, he said, well, you know, I have the passion. I love being here. I really want to be here. And I know I'm not going to get rich doing it, but I, and he said, he said, boy, he said, uh, you got to be real. You got to be respected and you got to be trusted in that garage area. You go in that garage area and you meet with those people and uh, they're your kind of people. They're hardworking people. They're just here to, they're here to enjoy it, do the best they can. But if you're real with them and they trust you and they respect you, and then, then people at home on the radio are going to trust you and respect you because you're real. He said, don't be anything but that. Just be you. And that's great advice because too many people try to flip a switch and be something they're not when they walk into an office or to a business or go on the air and you got to be yourself. You mm -hmm. just got to be you. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, Barney, Barney was never, never, um, you know, he would never be presumptive. I remember one of the, one of the, one of my favorite Barney Hall stories is when he told me, and I think my, it was in the early years of doing Daytona, he was a turn two announcer and Barney didn't look like a broadcaster. He would, you know, he looked, he, you know, he'd wear jeans and sneakers and a t-shirt. Um, and he was a sort of a little guy. And so he looked like your typical race fan just out there to enjoy the race. Well, they had scaffolding in turn two and he drives his Olds 98 cut over there and parks it by the scaffolding and, uh, is trying to climb up the scaffolding and the local, uh, security guard there, the deputy sheriff or whatever. And I said, son, you can't be up there. That's for, that's for, that's an official platform. And Barney said, well, I, I'm the official supposed to be on that platform. <laughs> he said, no, 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 you're not, you're nothing. You're not official. Of course, Barney didn't have anything other than his credential, but that deputy wasn't going to look at the credential. You know, he was trying to find his bullet. But, but, but aside from that, Barney, Barney, all the equipment Barney needed for the broadcast was already up on the scaffold. So he wasn't carrying a microphone and the deputy said, where's your microphone? Barney said, you don't understand. I'm the turn two announcer <laughs> for the Daytona 500. Now, granted, this was all new because the MRN didn't exist back then. So this deputy was just doing his job. And so he said, he said, and he pulled him down, Barney. He said, you can't go up there. And Barney said, I got to do my job. So Barney turned around and went up. After they went up and down about three times, the guy, the deputy puts Barney in the back of his squad car and out they go through the infield, out the tunnel, out of Daytona, and they're going down the street. And Barney wasn't yelling or screaming. Hey, you don't know what you're, Barney, you know, Barney simply said, uh, he said, uh, excuse me, he said uh, in the back seat, and the deputy, yeah. He said, he said, where are we going? He said, we're going down to the, to the jail. Barney said, all right. He said, uh, what's your name? And the deputy said, looked in the mirror and said, why? You think you're somebody, some big shot, you're going to get me in trouble? And Barney said, no, no, not at all. He said, but, but in about 12 minutes, when the Daytona 500 starts, and they throw it to turn two uh, for the call of the race, and I'm not there, and they're going to wonder where I was, I just want to be able to let them know who I was with. And uh, <laughs> And he said, you are the official for, I said, he's said, yeah, I'm the official for that platform. And you've got 11 minutes to get me back on that platform. And uh, so I can call the race. Barney wasn't screaming and yelling, look at who I am, look at my credential. He just quietly got in the squad car and, and, and in his own way, can, you know, convinced this guy that he needed to be back there and they got him back. Now that, that pretty much sums up Barney Hall. I love that story so much because it's amazing to think that they're, to think back to a time when, somebody didn't know and have the respect for, for Barney Hall because he was just so young in his career. Yeah. And, you know, now you, you listen to interviews, you listen to tributes, even when you get online and you watch the, the final broadcast of Barney's or you yeah. watch um, any Hall of Fame award ceremony where they've, they've honored Barney and given out 
the award uh, in his name, which we can get to a little later, yeah. the stories and the level of respect from the people that they come from. Mike Helton talking about oh, yeah. Barney Hall narrating his love for NASCAR. And, and Kyle Petty mentioned, he said, my, my grandpa grew up watching the races, turning off the sound and having Barney Hall narrate what he's watching because that he didn't want to hear it from anybody else. Well, it, it was almost mesmerizing. I mean, to, I, I get chills thinking about being able to work on the radio and you're with Barney because you listen to Barney, it would almost be like you're listening to a concert, listening to a symphony, and you'd almost forget to do your job, you know, because, and I would have information about something on a pit stop, and I didn't want to interrupt Barney. I didn't want, I'm supposed to click in and say, Barney, this is a Jerry Punch here. I'm, I'm in the Earnhardt pit, or I'm in the Richard Petty pit. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to hear Barney. And um, and Ken Squire was that way too. I mean, we it's not fair to, to slight Ken, but we'll we'll talk about Ken another day. He was also right there uh, as a part of it. But Barney Barney was uh, and the fact was Barney had so had such a keen wit. You know, uh, one time one time Eli Gold one of Eli Gold's favorite stories about Barney was that uh, when one of the new sponsors came in the NASCAR Ultra Slim Fast and Ultra Slim Fast was going to donate product to Eli Gold. In, in, in exchange for Eli and Barney doing a live live hit on, on the MRN broadcast. Eli was a big guy, like a lot of us, likes to eat. And so Ultra Slim Fast said, well, hey, what, what better way to, get, to promote our product and have Eli Gold on it and be able to lose weight? So they gave Eli the product. And so they're in the opening race of the year, the Daytona 500, and it comes time for the live spot. And Barney says, time to check in with Eli here on Eli's uh, uh, is uh, got, a, got a, on a new program with Ultra Slim Fast. Eli, tell us about it. Well, Eli, you know, who's never at a loss for words, because, you know, we all love Eli Gold, who's a, who's a legendary play-by-play -play guy for Alabama football now. Eli says, I'm hemming and hawing, trying to say, I'm trying to figure out how to say, I'm taking this stuff, but I'm starving to death. And at <laughs> night, I'm binge eating with these massive meals um, and probably gaining weight. Uh, and, uh, and I'm so hungry uh, that it, it's doing nothing for me. He said, how do I do that? I mean, I just, it's our sponsor on MRN. And so he said, I, Eli said, I'm hemming and hawing a little bit. And by that time, Barney could tell that I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. So Barney looks over and said, folks, let me just sum it up for you. Eli Gold has been on this ultra slim fast diet for two weeks, and all he's lost is 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's Barney, Barney's way of, of short. Yeah, and Eli said, I looked at him and said, okay, that pretty well sums it up without being negative. Uh, I don't think they were a sponsor real long, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it didn't really work that much for, for Eli, but uh, great story. I love that example of, of Barney Hall's, like you said, quick wit. And, and not only did he have such an ability with words and a way with words to talk about NASCAR and paint this picture, but to, to be fun as well. He brought yeah. that fun element of, of being on air. And dad, you mentioned, you know, you started out in with MRN and right. being able to work um, under Barney and learn from him. Was there ever anything, any piece of advice that he gave you specifically, or do you feel like you learned more from being able to watch and work around? Him? Well, Barney said, there's, there's never an excuse, never any excuse for not doing your homework. Um, you know, not, um, and I took that to heart and, and for radio and for television. Uh, when I walk in the emergency room as an ER doctor, you know, I don't know what's going to come in the door, but I better be ready. I better, I better have studied hard in school. So if a baby comes in or, or you know, with the airway obstruction or an elderly man with a heart attack, I better have done my homework so I know what to do. And let's sit there and start thinking about it. And Barney, on the broadcast, Barney was so respected in the garage area because he would go talk to those teams. He would go, yeah, he was tight with Earnhardt and he was tight with Bill France and Bill France Sr. and Bill France Jr. But he would go in there and talk to everybody. 
and he knew if somebody's mother was ailing. And, and he would find a way during the telecast that they would go back through the field and talk about, oh, so-and-so back in, uh, you know, Jabe Thomas is uh, so-and-so or, or the clown prince in Ascot. And he, he had ways of getting information in. And he was, uh, he was uh, Chris Berman. Remember the Chris Berman, you know, back, back, mm-hmm. back and all the nicknames. He was a Chris Berman kind of person before Chris Berman was around because he could get little nicknames in and information in that nobody else had. He'd walk in the garage area with his tape recorder and, and, and he knew if someone was ailing, someone was struggling or a sponsor was going away and, and an owner was just trying to hang on and Barney would give him a little extra love. And uh, I think because, not because he was getting anything out of it because he was just that kind of guy, but Barney said, do your homework and, and people visibly see you. And if someone, he always said, if someone makes an effort to come up and talk to you, I don't care if it's a guy you've never heard of, some little driver that's coming there, just they, they saved their nickels and dimes to get, get a car there. They may start dead last. They may finish dead last. But if that kid looks you up and wants to talk to you, you take time to listen because he's making an effort to tell you his story. And Barney always said, and don't forget, everybody, everybody has a story. And, uh, and, and our job, since we don't have, we don't have pictures, we're not television or radio, we have to, we have to paint the pictures and we have to tell the story. So I think, uh, oh gosh, everybody learned so much from Barney. Um, and, and, you know, Barney, there were all kinds of phrases. I, can, I don't have enough, enough time, but the, the, the phrase, the catchphrase, flag to flag coverage of the great American race. That was Barney Hall. That came from him. In 1979, when CBS decided to air the Daytona 500 flag to flag, uh, remember, wide roller sports would go in and do 15 or 18 minutes and then throw it to, the midnight mile in Alto, Norway, or, or downhill skiing in Switzerland. CBS came in and was going to do flag-to-flag coverage, and Barney Hall coined that phrase. So, uh, gosh, it, it, I, I just can't tell you, you know, the respect, I mean, the drivers, the announcers, everybody had for Barney because he was real, and, you know, and, and he, was, he was funny, um, and he, uh, but, you know, it was just like, uh, and, and the wit, I, I would give anything to have the kind of wit. Um, and, and there are some things I can't say. Now, Barney, if those are, I'll be honest, those of us who knew Barney, uh, Barney was, he, there wasn't a selfish bone in his body. I've never heard one person who ever knew Barney say anything negative about Barney Hall. And he's more like Will Rogers. If you, if you don't know who Will Rogers is, you know, Google him. But Will Rogers always said, never met a stranger, never met, you know, never met. So Barney was that kind of guy, never met a stranger. But he was, he, he was so funny to go to dinner with. And we were in a, we were in a commercial one time with an older NASCAR driver right before the race started. And we were in commercial. And being at radio, nobody could see him. And the NASCAR driver said, man, I'm, I'm glad there's no, no cameras on me today because I got ice cream all over me, chocolate ice cream all over me because this guy eats ice cream like, like it's air. <laughs> and Barney said something about you love ice cream. And, and the driver said, the driver, this is a commercial. The driver says to Barney, we're all listening. He says, he said, two things I love most of my life are my, my, uh, wife and ice cream. And, uh, he said, uh, and he said, I, and I, I've been traveling on all these races and I can't wait to get home. He said, I may put those two together. So I may tell my, his <laughs> wife was a big woman and, uh, a, a sizable woman, let me say, um, and, uh, healthy. And, and, and he says, and, and I'm paraphrasing now, he says, you know, I may just take a big scoop of ice cream, I may take ice cream and lay, lay it up, put it on her belly, and that way I get the best of both worlds. And Barney, without missing a bite, without missing a he says, boy, can't nobody eat that much ice cream. And uh, so I, I'm, we're all thinking, we're all dying laughing. And the driver, I'm standing five feet from the driver, but he and I are doing pit road, and he's laughing. We're all realizing what Barney just said was, 
your wife's a pretty big woman. If you put ice cream on her belly and try to eat it, that ain't gonna happen because you can't even you can't eat that much ice cream. But that's Barney. That's who Barney was. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and and when he was in the pits and garage area, uh, he he would use some four-letter words, not in a mean way, but that's just the way he talked. He was a good old boy from the mountains. Um, and uh, but as soon as they as soon as the microphones were on, he went on the air. I don't know how in the world he did it but he didn't say a word. He didn't say a nasty word, an ugly word, you know, but he would use some of those slang words in the garage area all the time, talking to drivers. And, and, uh, and if he really liked you, you know, really liked you, or, you know, whether it was me or Dale Earnhardt Sr., he'd walk up and say, boy, let's talk a minute. Let's, he, he called, hey, boy, let's do so-and-so. Um, and you knew you were in with, with Marty. So, gosh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, he, he has been such a major part of NASCAR history. So I was so thrilled that, the Hall of Fame decided to do the Squire Hall Award to honor Ken Squire and Barney Hall and others that have come along, um, you know, over the years that have meant so much in, in motorsports, from writers to mm-hmm. the journalists to, to television, radio people, uh, all those people that have won it, won it are certainly so deserving. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, 2013 that they um, announced the Squire Hall Award and they both awarded Ken Squire and, and Barney Hall for that. And some of the names that have been honored over the years, you look at Steve Burns, you look at most recently Steve Wade, um, I'm Norma Brandel being the yeah. only female to have yeah. been honored so yeah. far. But um, Dick Bergen, my buddy Dick Bergen. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, the doc, Dr. Dick and, and uh, you know, Barney, Barney told Dick Bergen uh, one time we were doing a race, uh, you know, Dick, Dick ran stock car racing magazine later he bought stock car racing magazine because he couldn't see it for he couldn't stand to see it go under uh and and leverage everything and to buy it and he was working as a pit reporter for us at espn and later with with fox and he's just such a good guy loved it i mean couldn't couldn't could not you know love racing or motorsports anymore but it became 24 7 like a lot of us but he and so barney hall told him one time uh i said boy he said you better he said, you, you're getting ready to burn out between all that you're doing on with the magazine and all you're doing on weekends at the racetrack and going to short track. You're going to burn out, boy. You better stop and smell the roses. And so that next weekend, we were in Dover, Delaware, and Dick Bergeron is driving down to Dover. And that morning, we're supposed to have a meeting, and, and Berger's not there. And we wait, which is unlike Dick. He was always not only on time, he was early. And so he comes pulling in the, you know, to the t- compound there with a big smile on his face. And they said, boy, where you been? And Dick said, let me show you something. So I pulled off at a rest area up the, up the highway, up Highway 13 above Dover. And there was a huge rose garden out front. And I went down there and I stopped and smelled the roses. And that was, that was an, an indicative of what, okay, not only what, Barney wasn't being literal, mm-hmm. but that's what he did. He stopped took a deep breath, went out there and saw the roses and smelled them and enjoyed them, and then got back in the car and went on the racetrack. And so Barney's message was delivered. And uh, so, hey, for Dick Bergen to be in that Squire Hall, so special for so many reasons. Well, and it's stories like that, you know, whether they're, they're taken literally or the story like you told a second ago, Barney joking with drivers. Yeah. It all goes back to what you said initially is that he made it a point to not just be a journalist, but to truly be a friend and be invested in the people around him. And that is so much of what made him so good at what he did. And that's so evident in the way that people, it's kind of like if Barney was willing to joke with you, you knew, like you said, yeah. you were in. If Barney was gonna, it was gonna yeah. give you a hard time, it's because he knew that he had the respect for you and you had the respect for him. And I think one of the coolest things was dad for you and I, when we decided that we wanted to 
do this podcast about Barney and, and honor his legacy, you had the opportunity to reach back out to some of your friends because so many people this week on oh, Twitter yeah, yeah. have have been sharing their stories and their memories of, of listening to Barney or working with him. And you in particular reached back out to a few. I know you you chatted with some of your friends that also yeah. had worked with, with Barney. Alan Bestwick in particular had a few things to say. Yeah, I, Alan, you know, Alan was, uh, he, you know, he was, uh, he was hired by MRM, Auto Race Network, as a, as a producer and as a, he was doing station clearances. Uh, he wasn't going to be on the air even though he certainly had the talents. We all know he's got incredible talents. And he had been producing uh, up in New York, Casey Kasem's, uh, uh, you know, Top 40. Whatever, the Casey Kasem Top 40, I love that show. And so Alan was one of the producers of that show, got it, got hired by NASCAR. Uh, Daytona's a little nicer place to live than up where he was living up north. And so he's in, the, it's July of 1986. And Alan was telling me, he said, you know, he was in the, in the broadcast booth. He wasn't, he wasn't on the air. He wasn't producing. He was just up there because he was working for MRN in the state. And, Barney walked, got up and turned out, walked up and said, son, um, he said, uh, you can never go wrong on the air, uh, doing things with a little bit of class and a little bit of dignity. He said, so whatever you do in life, if it's on the air or off, you do it with class and dignity, you're going to do well. And he sat back down and, 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 and Alan said, you know, I never, never forgot that. You know, he didn't know me from Adam. He knew I was working for MRA and I was in the office somewhere. He didn't know if I was ever going to have a microphone to be on the air. And as we all know, Alan did and, and, you know, hosted NBC for a long, was part of our ESPN host and now does uh, college football and college basketball. But I mean, that, that says, that sums up Barney Hall. That's who he was. Giving someone advice, do it with class and do it with dignity. Uh, and, and that's something that I take that and Alan took that. And when we talk to young announcers, you know, I say, if you do an interview, you may have some producer in your ear telling you, make them squirm, which sometimes the big, big networks have those people with that that'll try to tell a young, try to try to bully a young announcer and say, make them squirm. But remember, it's your voice on the air and you ask a question that leaves an individual their dignity, then you're, do, you're doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. And the respect that you show and the respect that you give is what you will receive as well when it comes to not only the answer, but the relationship that you build with them. And when you talk about class and dignity, going back to the, the, the Squire Hall Award and, and being fortunate enough, as we've mentioned, to be in the room when they are not only honoring both uh, Ken Squire and Barney Hall, but right. also honoring the, the honoree for that year, I cannot think of, of a more classy, dignified moment because they just do <coughs> such a phenomenal job of honoring the life and continued legacy of these two phenomenal NASCAR broadcasters. I mean, uh, and the people that want it, Tom Higgins, legendary sports, sports writer for the Charlotte Observer, also one of the great storytellers. And one of the, he, was, he was a part of that posse that played poker with Barney at night. Steve Wade, uh, who was the editor of, of, of Grand National Scene and, you know, Winston Cup Scene all those years, and also another phenomenal writer. He and, he and Higgins were like, you know, Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they were together all the time and they were so talented and so accomplished. And you mentioned Dusty uh, from the West Coast and she's been around racing for so long. Benny Phillips, a great writer. Uh, Chris Economaki. Um, gosh, to have Chris Economaki in that, we all know what, we all grew up watching Chris Economaki. And, you know, I remember doing my first radio broadcast and I'm, I'm a garage reporter for MRN and here's this guy walking back with a CBS blazer on with a CBS eye patch on it, you know, there's a legendary Chris Economaki as he's trying to, you know, and he's talking to drivers and, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we mentioned Dick Bergen, you know, and Steve Burns, how special was that for Steve? What a, you know, Steve didn't get to have a long career, which is our loss. 
Um, and but uh, he's got a son following in his footsteps, which is wonderful. Um, but what a big heart. He epitomized what Barney talked about in terms of class and dignity. So I'm so thankful that we were able to put Steve in there. And I get to be a voter. I'm, I, I'm one of the people that was honored to, to get a ballot sent to get to, to, to vote on the people. I don't nominate them, but I get to vote on people. And so uh, knowing that, uh, and, and that's the hard part, is because everybody on that nomination is, is deserving. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, gosh, in the Squire Hall, um, and, and there, there's a, and it's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So if you go up and you can, you can learn about the people that are in this hall. And the good thing is that these people that are, that are inducted in the Squire Hall are also eligible later if, if, to go into the Hall of Fame, the NASCAR mm -hmm. Hall of Fame. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this, that's, that's so cool. And what a great way to, to honor Barney Hall. Mm -hmm. I love hearing more about Barney because dad, I, I keep thinking, I, my mind just keeps going back to that photo. I'm sure you've seen it. It, it's, it circles around Twitter every once in a while, but it's the, I'm guessing the official MRN photo for that yeah. season. And yeah. you know, you guys are all sitting in yep. the booth and you're wearing the MRN polos. And Mustaches you, and longer hair. Say, yeah. We're a little thinner. Smoke's got more hair back then. Yeah. 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 A little hair's a little thinner. That's yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But, um, it's the element of storytelling. You and I talk all the time right, about right. how our love for storytelling and, and it's, and it's an art. It really is. And so whether it's Barney's ability to paint a picture and tell a story, both in a witty way, but in a beautiful way as well, or his ability to fall into some dumb luck and be willing to go home and learn absolutely everything that he needed to learn sure. to put himself in the best position. I, as a young announcer, really, really resonate with hearing more about Barney and, and following the continuation of his legacy. You know, you talk about learning, learning a trade. Uh, when I was working at Halifax Hospital in Daytona as a physician, as a, as a, as a doctor, um, you know, I, I obviously love racing. So I'd go over to the racetrack and I walked over to the Motor Racing Network office and Jack Root, uh, was running the office back then. Mike Joy was like an assistant there in the office. And, and I walked in one day uh, and they knew I had a passion for, for, for racing, grew up around racing, Hickory Speedway, the whole thing. Um, and they were, and I saw a, a giant reel to reel tape recorder sitting on the floor, like big box, looked like a, looked like a, and it had these big reels with tape on them. And I, and I walked over and said, what's that? And they said, oh, we're cleaning out the storage room back there and we're, we're getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And I said, Hey, I said, what's on that tape? They said, well, it's a 19, whatever Daytona 500, um, you know, back in, I think in the early days, but, uh, it was Ken Squire hosting it in, in Barney hall. And, and I said, Hey, can I buy that? And they said, we're throwing it away. You can have it. So I took that home uh, to the house I was renting uh, in Port Orange and put it in the garage. And I had my little weight bench out there and I'd come home from the hospital late at night and get out there and do my workouts. And I'd put that tape on and I listened to it hundreds and hundreds of times. I, sometimes I was so tired, I only had a chance to listen to like 20 minutes of, but it was a Daytona 500, so it was a long tape. But listening, not for the race, but for the rhythm and the call and the timing everything that Ken Squire did and everything that Barney Hall did. So I'm listening to Ken and Barney and Barney and Ken over and over again. I'm thinking, and it been, began to hit me that how it worked and not just the words they were using, but how they would use fewer words that painted a picture that had a meaning, you know, and, you know, when Ken Squire said, you know, when in the draft on the back trip, he's inhaling him on the, you know, inhaling, you can imagine, inhale. that's what's happening as, as one car is approaching another or rim riding at the top of the, in, the, the, the words that Barney and Ken would use on that tape, I listened to over and over and over again. And you learn the rhythm and you learn the pacing, which is 
what any announcer needs to have. And I don't think it worked that well for me, but you know, I, 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 it, it, but that's what you do. You, you find people, you find people that you are, that are your heroes in broadcasting. And I have several in football and auto racing, but Marnie, obviously, you know, and Kim were at the top of the list in radio. Uh, and, and you, and you emulate them. You listen to what they do. Still got to be you. Uh, but you, you find out they're not, you know, they don't try to reinvent the wheel. And Marnie was always willing always willing uh, to take time and tell us all. I remember one, I, I was telling the folks at MRN a couple of years ago, I said, I wish we had, wish we could do a reunion show because there was one, there was a, there was a period of time there where uh, we would do the big races. We would do Daytona and Talladega. Uh, we would have just a certain team pulled together. The MRN back then was being run by John McMullen, John McMullen Sr. Uh, and uh, he was the general manager of the Racing Network. And we were at Talladega and, and our production meetings, you know, an hour or a couple hours would be held at the bottom of the tower. Barney would park his Olds 98 and we'd raise the trunk lid and have some sandwiches and a couple of diet drinks. And, and we'd talk about the race and then we'd all head out to our different spots. And, and the broadcast, I think it was, uh, I think Barney Hall was, uh, uh, was in the booth uh, Barney Hall might have been in the booth with Jack Aroot. They were the two two hosts of the show. Uh, turn two was was uh, Mike Joy, the current Fox play-by-play guy. Uh, turn three, at the end of the backstretch, was Eli Gold. Uh, turn four was Dave Despain. Uh, and Pitt Road was uh, myself and Ned Jarrett and Dick Bergman. Talk about a crew. Talk about a crew. And, and you think about all of us doing radio. We loved it. We loved it. And they would get us to Daytona. They'd get us here. And, uh, and so, and, and we, we loved each other and, and no one had, there were no cues. No one had to say, throw it to Eli or throw it to Mike. You just, by pacing, you could hear someone's vocal inflection. They would stop this guy, pick it up like that and pick it up, pick it up. And you didn't step on each other. And it was all professionalism, but gosh, you know, I, 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 I would I can visualize all of us standing there. Dave Despain actually drove his motorcycle. He's a big motorcycle guy down from the Midwest where he was, and you know through the pouring rain in the mountains of Tennessee and coming down all the way to Talladega to be there. And uh, and and you know Eli was in Alabama. It's just just a great the fact that we're we're we were all part of that show mm-hmm. and uh, and learn from you learn from Barney. You learn from, I learned from Ned. We you know every we all we all um, you know we're like one big family back then. That's some of the biggest takeaways, even just from this discussion and learning more about Barney is not only, like I said earlier, the the respect and the relationship that you build with those that you're interviewing and those that you're essentially highlighting, whether it's drivers, crew chiefs, crew team, but the respect and relationship between a broadcast crew is so important and it really does make a difference. And if you can have a better understanding of what the what if the person in the booth can have a better understanding of what the person in the pits has to do or if turn two knows what's what turn one is dealing with and in that aside like you said taking the time to to sit in the back of a a truck and eat sandwiches and just talk racing and to to be able to come together um not only on on working a similar job but having a similar love for what you're doing it really does make a difference. And I, I would think that anybody that grew up listening to that team would absolutely agree that you can hear the respect and relationship play into your ability to be successful. Yeah, I, and I remember, I, you know, Barney Hall said this a lot, but I remember Dale Earnhardt Sr. once said there's a direct relationship, there's a direct correlation between the success of a team and how much time the driver spends around the guys in the race shop. Now, that was back in that day. I don't know if it's that same.
same today because drivers, but back then he said, I, you know, there's a period of time when Dale Earnhardt's career, when his career took off, he's winning championships, he's traveling, he's gone, he's got all these personal appearances. So he's never around the shop meeting the guys. And, his, and he, he had some, some lean years where even for Dale Earnhardt Sr., he had some lean years. And he said, there, you know, there's a relationship, there's a time, there's a direct correlation, I should say, between how much time I spend around the guys and at the race shop and our success on Sundays. He said, I got to get back to the race shop. So Barney Hall had that same philosophy. And we did the same thing back early on when ESPN came into being is that we spent time together as a family. We were together. We had dinner together. Some of the best times I had doing radio back before there was television were the meals we ate at Riverside, California. Barney had a place we went to and, and we got the artichoke hearts because that's what Barney, you know, and grouper cheeks or whatever <laughs> Barney wanted to order because we would all go and the folks from RJ Reynolds would be a couple of guys from RJ Reynolds Tobacco, T. Wayne Robertson, mm-hmm. and those guys. Uh, and then uh, Barney Hall and all of, and several of the radio announcers, we were all one big family, one big team. Occasionally some drivers would join us and the guys from Champion Spark Plugs or Wayne Torrance from Goodyear Tires. And we're all, and we're sitting there having dinner. Well, I, I, in, within a few minutes of just chatting, I'm going to know all about the Goodyear Tires that are there for the weekend. I'm going to know what RJ Reynolds is doing with their special guests coming in. They're, they're going to do the Winston Million or whatever. And I would know a little bit about the Champion Spark Plug. You know, you learn so much, but you, you, but you knew each other like a big family. That's what ESPN did. Uh, we had Bob Jenkins and Ned Jarrett, and Benny Parsons, and myself and John Kernan and you know Bill Weber and you know and and you know it was we all would go to dinner together, and especially a lot of times it would be Ned and Benny and Bob and me and we but we'd go to dinner together and we spend time together and that translated to a, a great relationship you know on the air and I think people at home listened and, and unfortunately too many times now there's the, the announcers are being pulled in so many different directions that. You, know, you can't go to dinner together. You know, you got one pit reporter here and got a booth here and the pre-race people are doing this and doing that because they're all being pulled. And I think that's something that gets missed at times, the camaraderie you have um, uh, spending time off, off the track and make, making a difference on the air. Mm-hmm. So if you have that opportunity, if you are someone that wants to, to work in broadcasting or you're getting a, a – as Barney would say, a dumb luck chance or yeah, opportunity. Yeah. Um, keep that in mind, you know, and, and really make an effort as much as you're focusing on yourself and you're focusing on the job at hand to build the relationships with the people that, that you're working with because it will make a difference both in relationships and in, and in your job and, and how it portrays. There, there are so many, there are just so many people in the sport that owe their career and uh, broadcasting or racing or so much to, to someone like Barney. Uh, he was on Barney jeans and a t-shirt um, and a pair of sneakers, uh, you know, and just a little smile. And uh, I remember coming to, uh, to the NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, the first year they had, I was on the voting, I was blessed to be on the voting committee the first few years for the Hall of Fame when I was there. And, and then when they were going to announce the Squire Hall Award and I'm backstage with Barney and, uh, and he's starting to get frail a little bit. And, uh, you know, his, the love of his life, sweet Karen Carrier, uh, was always there with Barney. Gosh, she's just, you know, what, a, what, a, what an angel she has been and was for him and all those years. But, you know, she came over to me and said, would you help Barney with his tie? And first of all, Barney didn't want to wear a tie. Uh, but, but they had him, he, they, they put one on him. So I'm over there helping Barney tie his tie or putting on it. And it, I, I just got emotional thinking about I'm with the guy that gave me and Ned and here's the Eli and there's Mike Joy and all of us in that room, you know, gave us a chance to be who we are and or who we try to become in, in broadcasting. And, uh, and, 
And if Barney would take time to talk to you, which he always did in the garage area or whatever, now that was a sign of respect, just like Dale Earnhardt, you know, bumping you at the end of a race when a race <laughs> was over saying, hey, you know, good, good job, brother. Uh, but Barney would be on the air uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and he ran a golf course in Elkin, North Carolina. He was always, if you called a golf course, talk to Barney, if there was anybody who answered the phone, and a lot of times it would be Barney, and if he wasn't, the phone rang, he'd be out on, you know, on a mower or out on doing digging or working on a, a sand trap, or whatever, at the golf course. So Was he a big golfer? Is that yeah, why he had yeah, a golf course? Yeah, well, he liked to play golf. You know, I never, I never played golf with Barney because he was, you know, we all, I would go back to my day job and trying to be an ER doc, and he'd go back to running the golf course, and, and, uh, and he did, and, he, and he, Barney liked to drive. He liked to drive to the races, so he'd drive his, this big land yacht, this Oldsmobile 98 or whatever, uh, that you could have put 15 people in. And he, he'd drive out to the racetrack um, and because he could listen to the radio and radio DJ uh, and, and get to it. He could go on his, on his time. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't have to worry about, you know, although a lot of times, you know, RJ Reynolds or somebody else would say, hey, we're going this race. Why don't you jump on the plane with us? So, uh, yeah, just yeah, hard to believe he's gone. The best part is, is that, you know, uh, his calm voice, his rhythm, his unmatched storytelling and wit uh, is still around because we have the Motor Racing Network archives and they do such a great job of, you know, from the studios of Barney Hall, how good is that? You know, he'd be embarrassed, but he would probably, you know, and the fact that every time they do a highlight, I wish they would do a highlight on every race of a Barney call from back in the day, just a lap because it's, it's like, you know, going back and, and, and watching Vince Lombardi, you know, on the sideline or, or, or Arnold Palmer on a putt or Jack Nicklaus, he was the best of the best. And, you know, in Barney Hall was a, was a, a life well lived and a, a life well loved because, you know, he, no one, no one, uh, Bill France Sr., Bill France Jr., no one ever had anything negative to say about Barney because he was always willing, he's always upbeat always positive all you people that are negative out there you should have met barney hall because he wouldn't let you be negative he would say smile uh we're getting there glass is half full and we're going to fill it up today and we're going to let everybody listening at home have a full glass when it stays over when the race gets a checkered flag and i think that's so important to remember and it doesn't matter how old you are or, or whether you're just a nascar fan or you have um, aspirations to be a broadcaster there are still so much to learn today from Barney Hall and whether yeah. it's going back and watching old races or like you said, um, getting to hear him on MRN, there truly, you can learn so much from him. And I recognize now, you know, some of the biggest things that I've been fortunate enough to learn from you, dad, is the, the homework aspect. You've very much uh, put that upon me. I've taken that to heart. I, I never go anywhere without having done hours and hours of homework and also the the always being yourself no matter where you want right, to go or, right. or what role you want to play you're the only person that can be you right. and how neat is it to think that these lessons are are being passed down to me from you and to barney to you and so i i still feel like i'm so blessed enough to continue to learn from barney hall today good advice uh never get stale Remember the Alan Quickie story, Be Spectacular, the piece of advice he got from, from Humpy Wheeler. And that led to Alan saying, okay, when I do win a race, <laughs> I'm doing that backward victory lap and uh, not backwards, but he would turn around and go the other way. And uh, 
because he needed to be spectacular, and, and certainly he was. From what he saw, what that did for his career. So, and wasn't Barney Hall just the most spectacular in the most genuine way possible? And I, I'm very thankful for people like Barney to pave the way for yeah. for so many today. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember <clears throat> one of the last years, maybe the next to the last year, ESPN was doing racing. One of the last years we were doing racing um, at, at you know. Clay Earls at Martinsville Speedway and Clay Campbell now that runs Martinsville Speedway for his grandfather. Um, they decided, we decided to have a Barney Hall tribute night. And we just went to a local restaurant and they actually rented a room and there was probably as many people as they let in there, maybe 150 people. Wow. And about six or eight of us sat on the front row and got up and talked about Barney. It's sort of a, it wasn't, a, it was a more, this is your life Barney Hall. And I remember Barney and his only, you know, only Barney could say, you know, people, you do this with people who are dying. And he's like, I don't think I'm dying, but it, it's something I don't know. And we all laughed and said, no, 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 no. But we all could we all could see, and we all were aware that he had some health issues and that we wanted to make sure we got our chances. You know, <clears throat> Leonard Wood, Glenn Wood, all the people that, you know, in, in round racing, Junior Johnson, you know, everybody who loved Barney uh, could say, could tell Barney with him being able to hear what you meant to me what you meant to this sport, what you meant to so many, and what you mean to all of us. And he gets to hear it. And so uh, he did. Uh, and I think about that night. Alan Beswick was there and Mike Joy was there, all of us. And uh, it's just uh, just pretty special. So, um, and, and, and uh, that's why this, doing this episode uh, to remember Barney Hall um, and, and that whose, whose legacy lives in all of us, every generation, to me and hopefully now to you, uh, and that um, that his voice is here, and uh, and his and his advice and his legacy will never die. Well, and as we're just wow, two weeks away, less than two weeks away from yeah. from seeing and hearing the flag to flag coverage of the Great American Race, I hope yeah. that you take the opportunity to think about this and think about Barney Hall and and the people like Barney that were able to pave the way for us to have the incredible broadcasters that we are fortunate enough to watch and listen to today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when and and for those of you who are rolling with the punch podcast listeners, um, you know, during the season, we'll be talking about what's going on on the track. Uh, we'll be talking about what happened this week at the racetrack and breaking it down in our way. Because you have so many drivers you're going to be around in Daytona that, that you do with your show with NASCAR. Um, we want to tell their story. Some of the up-and-coming drivers, I get to remember and, and reflect uh, on some of the, for some of the legacy fans that have been around a long time, about people I've been around. And you get to talk about... Uh, the up-and-coming rising stars or current stars of NASCAR that are making making uh, the special memories today. So uh, it's a pretty good combination, I think, uh, mm -hmm. for us to be able to get the past and the future. Mm -hmm. Yes, because um, much like Barney said, everyone has a story yeah. and everyone's story deserves to be told, especially yeah. in this sport. So I'm very much looking forward to being able to continue to reflect. Also, like Dad said, bring you the current events, but reflect and honor some of the greats of NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 31. Wow, episode 31 is in the books. We really hope that you were able to take something away from this episode. And of course, don't, don't ever be afraid to reach out to us. If you have somebody in mind that you would love to hear from us about, if you would have someone in mind that you would love for us to talk to, um, please tweet at us, message us. We love hearing from you. But again, thank you so, so, so much for listening and giving us feedback. We are very, very appreciative of you for giving us this this 
platform and we feel so blessed to be able to share our stories with you. And remember, she has stickers. Uh, I, I have stickers, guys. <laughs> I'm way more excited than he is about that. So help me hype him up a little bit, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, Dad. Well, this has been so fun being able to reflect with you here in person. I hope that uh, we will get through the craziness of Daytona and be able to sit back down yeah. again soon together. But for now, I love you. Love you too. Have fun in Daytona and uh, just remember, you know, you have fun. People watching and listening at home will have fun and uh and hey tell daytona i said hi i will